0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 225th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 726th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of September 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment.
1: The national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the shot.
0: For this week's Roman, a couple things stood out, both of which we're going to talk about a bit more extensively as we go through the show. The first of those was the Noah Clowney visit from the weekend. Uh, I know there were some, some things that made their way around social media on that in terms of uh, his arrival at uh, a, at a restaurant. I think it was Buffaloes where people chanting his name and things like that. So he talked a lot about uh, how how excited the fans were to see him and how energized the fan base seems to be, which I think is a, a direct result of the way things have gone in the Mike Woodson era and coming on the heels of those games in the Bahamas. Uh, I think that was uh, certainly uh, everybody's uh, spirits were high at that point. And and the other part of that Bahamas trip that was useful and probably one that we didn't really talk about was, uh, Clowney mentioned in his Q and A with uh, Alex Bosic that it was good to be able to see what the team looked like with Woodson at the helm instead of having to picture what he was doing in the NBA uh, as as a role that he might play. And uh, while he said he aspires to get there, it was it was good to kind of see what what Woodson was doing with players of his caliber and uh, on the college level. So perhaps a, another uh, benefit of the trip to the Bahamas that we hadn't really thought too much about. And there were a little bit of shades of some of what Clowney talked about it, maybe being a bit more under-recruited or coming along uh, late in the process uh Certainly spoke to his competitiveness a little bit and reminded me of some of the things that uh, Scoot Bates said. So, seemed like good things from the Clowney visit. And uh, and the other thing we're going to spend a decent amount of time on today is the IU football opener on on Saturday at Iowa. No coaches uh, coaches here getting ready to make the trip to Iowa City tomorrow. So, uh, easily the most anticipated IU football season that I can remember. Uh, as we go and since you know maybe the late the mid to late 80s I guess uh some of those but uh, in a long time for uh, at least a couple of generations probably of of uh, IU fans you know the most anticipated season so we're going to talk a bit about that as we go and look ahead to the season there so lots of excitement there looking forward to doing a little bit of tailgating from home for me and uh and hearing about some of the tailgating that uh, many of you will be doing in Iowa City on Saturday so with that let me introduce my seam co-hosts for tonight First, to my left.
1: He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time.
0: Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What are your uh, your thoughts for the week as you're waiting on
2: the rest of your family to get packed and ready to go? A little bit of IU football. Got the helmet ready to go. Locking in. Um, I, assume you're, I assume you're wearing that the entire drive, right? Yeah. It's it, exactly you know for safety safety purposes. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm excited. It's a big. Uh, big opener for Indiana football, a season that everyone's been looking forward to. You get fans back in the stands. So right now, that, that is uh, the most exciting thing uh, for me. Obviously, hearing about the, the Clowney visit just uh, is, is fabulous. That's good news. That means, you know, again, this coaching staff is trying to do uh, their very best to get some talent in here to help Indiana get back to where, you know, they belong. And it's, uh, it's just good times right now. And uh, we need to get the game started and have a little bit of fun.
0: And to my right. Analyzing players,
3: finding every wrinkle.
1: He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the... Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle.
0: He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what do you have to rant about this week?
1: Uh... I think it was, you know, the, the thing that stood out to me the most. I know we're really excited about football and all that this weekend, but for me, I, I want to look back as you talked about, Andy, the clowny visit and just his family's reaction to the fan reaction. And then you look at the people we're up against in his recruitment, and he's not gonna get that anywhere else, I don't think. I, I truly think that that's what makes Indiana unique and and the fact that you step on campus, and not only does everybody know your name, they know the position you play in, they know when you're coming, if you're coming, they know, you know, everything about you. They watch your highlight film. And and that's so rare in, in college athletics to have a fan base like that. They do exist, you know, there are other schools, but it's something that Indiana has to take advantage of, you know, and and, and that fans should be showing their love to these guys when they see them in person and and you know, don't harass them, but ask for a selfie. You know, tell them, you know, welcome them to campus. Uh, when you have the Hoosier hysteria and and the guys are there in person, you know, give them standing ovations, cheer for them. That's something they're not going to get elsewhere. It's a huge advantage Indiana has in recruiting. And, you know, everybody's got great facilities. Everybody's got coaches that can sell these guys on a dream. You know, everybody's got all these things, but there are things that separate Indiana. The fan base is one of them. And so that's got to be used to, to Indiana's advantage in every single aspect when it comes to recruiting. And, and I think that that really showed up in the Clowney recruitment. That was, you know, he's going on other visits. I, I think that's going to stand out among the others.
0: All right well other things we're going to cover this week on the show we're gonna hit some Hoosier headlines to start off as we always do talk a little bit more about the uh, the clowny visit. Uh, then in the, the main segment we're gonna have some football talk so as I mentioned before the season opens this weekend so I we wanted to get our thoughts out uh, the guys at uh, Crimson cast Galen and Scott as always have done a tremendous job Galen doing double duty. Uh, on that and mind your banners this week from football preview perspective. So I uh, definitely would encourage everybody to go listen to the stuff they've put out to uh, get ready for the season as well. And then we'll wrap things up by answering your questions as we always do. So all of that is coming up this week on assembly call radio. Uh, but uh, in case you missed it, Uh, in last week's Six Banner Saturday or on last week's podcast, we have a new sponsor here on the show, and it's a name that longtime listeners of the Assembly Call will recognize. Ed Feng writes one of the most reliable manuals each year on how to win your March Madness bracket pool. Plus, he's a Michigan fan, so he's always current on Big Ten Hoops. So because of his hoops analysis, Big Ten connection, and friendship with Jared, Ed has joined our show a handful of times to talk Big Ten Hoops and the NCAA Tournament. And for his day job though, Ed is the founder and lead analyst for the Power Rank, which he describes as quote, sports betting with a PhD edge. He specializes in football, both college and the NFL, and delivers consistent value to help you with betting, fantasy, daily fantasy, or anything else where having pre- predictive metrics you trust can give you an edge. The best part, Ed's newsletter is free. And right now he's offering a special bonus when you sign up, his report on NFL quarterbacks who will fade in 2021. All you have to do is sign up for Ed's newsletter. So to do so, go to thepowerrank.com slash AC. Again, that's thepowerrank.com slash AC. We've recommended Ed's site even when he wasn't a paying sponsor, so we certainly appreciate him supporting our work with this sponsorship. Ed is a good, honest guy who does good, reliable work, which isn't something you, which is something always easy to find in his industry. So if sports betting is your thing, make sure you subscribe to his free newsletter. Again, go to thepowerrank.com slash AC. All right, guys. Uh, so, who's your headlines for this week? We talked about the Noah Clowney visit. Uh, as as we all talked about, it apparently went very well. Uh, he's planning an October decision. Uh, and and you know, one of the quotes uh, we had here, Noah said, "I like that nobody's forced into a bubble. Everybody has the freedom to play how they want to play if they have that in their game." Uh, and his coach said, "In his mind, the visit couldn't have gone any better." Uh, coach, any anything as you you know read things from. Uh, or heard things about Clowney's visit that really stood out to you that maybe bodes well from a recruiting standpoint overall?
2: Yeah, well, well, that comment you just read is, is going to be uh, interesting to to watch how that plays out. The freedom that Coach Woodson is allowing his players to play, uh, if you have the game, which th- that speaks to me, that coach is talking about. Well, you develop your game and you show me you can do certain things, then I'll give you the freedom to do those inside the, the scope of what we want to do. I, I think that's just a a really good way to recruit. I, I think young players are going to enjoy that, and I think that. Leads to success. That's not, you know, caving into players or or, or, or not having a system, uh, but it, it does give uh, some incentive to to players to possibly, you know, commit to the uh, Hoosiers and then come in and work on your game and be able to go do something freely. And 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 Clowney's a a, a big man, and and we've said on the show Ryan specifically has, has talked about the need to get another uh, big man into the program, and so it, it was just vital to to make sure you at least hit it out of the park and. And now it's up to the young man, you know, to make a decision. You can't control the other three uh, visits. I think he has three more um, in, in store. But I like that comment. I I, I have really changed over time in, in my coaching philosophy on offense is uh, you got to give people a little more freedom because it's such a skilled uh, part of the game. If you try to script everything or have your, your hands on everything offensively, um, you, you kind of stifle. Um some of the beauty of the, of the game. And so you got to balance, you got to coach, you got to call plays and do certain things and have a philosophy, but I like that line. Uh, and then obviously if his coach is, is relaying that it's a, it, it couldn't have gone better, then you know, he had expectations for what he wanted to look for and it seemed like things uh, were met. So you know, those other schools now got to really step up and, and outdo Indiana and we have that tradition and, and that's really going to play for us. I, I would like to see Noah Clowney sign And I just think that speaks volumes for uh, what this staff is doing. And I'm sure there have been visits that haven't gone well, and there's recruiting decisions that have gone uh, the other way. But uh, this one sure sounded like it was uh, well thought out, well planned, and and everything went uh, the right way.
0: Yeah, I thought, you know, reading through some of the other comments um, about Woodson, it seems like Woodson, some of what he – what like a guy like Trace talked about with getting him to come back out of the portal or or get him to come back to to school, you know, talked about really being straightforward. Um, Same thing came through from Clowney here. He said, you know, coach Woodson seems very genuine. He's not just feeding me some BS. I feel like he's talking to me straight up means what he says. Uh, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was, you know, interesting and kind of good to see that Woodson isn't putting on a different persona from a recruiting standpoint than he would to get you know Trace to come back or that he is even as as you
1: he's not a used car salesman yeah, basically exactly. is what it sounds like exactly so uh, I, thought,
0: I thought that was a I thought that was a positive and and then like I said being able to uh, you know show him the Bahamas film of hey here's what we're gonna look like uh, as I mentioned earlier I thought was a, a big one Ryan uh, thoughts on that or any other you know quotes you you read after the visit
1: I, I just think it's the most important recruitment Indiana has left because I think it's the last real big guy that they have a great shot with. You know, I think they've got other guys on the list, and they're going to chase some other guys. And uh, But this is the last great shot they have. The, so anything can happen. I mean, this time last year, there was T- Tamar Bates wasn't even considering Indiana. You know, and I know it was a different coaching staff and everything. But things happen in the spring. Sometimes you luck into a guy. It happened with Indiana and Thomas Bryant. You know, I mean, sometimes things happen. But as far as having a great shot now, and look, if you can, you want your class locked in in the fall. You do not want to have to be scrambling in the spring to fill out a roster or to add a big guy or, or whatever, because you're just leaving it to the last minute and you never know what can happen. And typically those recruitments have a lot more drama associated with them. And there are a lot of random things that happen. You want to lock your class in as early as possible. If they can get Noah clowny, it's a complete class. It is a complete class. It's perfect. It has a, you know, they have guys that can do a lot of different things and you get the big guy who, has the potential to be one of those inside out big guys that we've seen around college basketball the last couple of years, have a lot of success, a big guy who can stretch the floor a little bit. He's not there yet, but Clowney would, you know, potentially be a guy who could uh, become that uh, and and any, any, you just look at the way he moves on the floor and and he's a guy you can project out to be sort of a face up, maybe a stretch four more than he is a traditional back to the basket post. So um, I, I think he'll be a post guy too, but I think the ability to do that, spread the floor, put four guys on the, on the perimeter is exactly what Mike Woodson wants to do. So huge recruitment. I think the biggest threat, if I'm looking at it, Alabama's his last visit, last visit, there's an inherent advantage there because before you make your decision, that's the one you, to have fresh in your mind and they sort of play a wide open style of basketball as well. And so that might appeal to him. If he's looking to go to the league at six, nine, maybe verging on six ten. he's not going to do it as a back to the basket post. He's going to do it as a guy who plays from the perimeter a little bit. And so, you know, if he projects that forward, you want to play in a wide open system uh, in college. So again, big, big recruitment. I think Indiana did everything it could uh, from everything I'm hearing and put itself in a really good position. We'll see how this plays out. You will go broke gambling on the fortunes of, on the decisions of a teenager. But um, I think Indiana put itself in a very good position this past
2: weekend.
0: All right. The other couple notes in here, uh, if you look into the 2023 class point guard, Jeremy fears is uh, projected to be on campus the weekend of the IU Cincinnati game, which I believe is pretty close to a sellout at this point. And some of the preview magazines starting to come out, uh, Athlon, Picked IU seventh in the Big Ten. Uh, did have them going to the NCAA tournament. Had Trace as a first-team All-American. Uh, for what it's worth, the six teams that were in front of IU in the Big Ten standings, which were Michigan, Purdue, Ohio State, Illinois, Maryland, and Michigan State, were all ranked in their top twenty-five. whether well, that makes anybody feel dramatically better or worse uh, about being picked seventh in that. But uh, you know, coach, any anything to read read into that? Does that kind of slot them where? I would assume a lot of preview magazines will have them uh, kind of in that middle of the pack area.
2: I think it's, it's fair and I think it's going to be what, what, what you will see because um, I just think that's it. You know, you can flip a coin five, six, seven uh, with, with some of these uh, big 10 teams. Obviously we'd want to see it a little bit higher, but until it's on the court and, and, the wins start piling up, then that's when you want to move up the standings and people will give us uh, the recognition. But, you know, we're all happy about what's going on in the program, but it it just comes down to November 9th playing the right kind of basketball and starting to win basketball games because everything else is – it's just summer stuff, and it couldn't have been any better. I don't have anything negative to say about the direction of the program and everything that's happened in the Bahamas and recruiting and all of that's been solid – but it all has to get done, uh, you know, on the court, and then that's when people will start, you know, taking notice. This Indiana program struggled for a while, and 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 we had a losing season last year, and a lot of guys back, and a lot of transfers. So there are some questions and legitimate questions uh, about this team, um, and so I, I think that's fair. And, and as long as uh, on Selection Sunday, Andy, or even before in our bracket work, we can put Indiana in the tournament. That's a a, a first step. I don't want to settle just for that, but um, that that would at least be nice, uh, no matter what uh, what position in the Big Ten. Hey
0: yeah, Ryan, were you surprised? I want to also say... oh, go oh, go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Were you surprised to see Trace as a first team preseason All American? I've at least the few things that I've seen outside of that I didn't really have him there, and I was a little bit a little bit surprised. I, I could certainly see him on one of the you know f- three you know first, second, or third team that that most publications come out with, but I was a little bit surprised to see. First team, I'm curious to see if you were as well. I
1: think, I think given the numbers and his name, it's not that surprising because there's been a lot of hype around him and how well he's played. And again, he's the son of a former NBA player. I think that he gets a little bit of boost from that. At the same time, I think if you look and realize he's a junior with that much talent, maybe that's why, you know, because he may outplay some guys that will go ahead of him in the draft you know what i mean statistically and so that's probably it i think also you know a lot of guys left and 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 a lot of post guys specifically have moved on to the next level or graduated and so i think there's a lot of room for him to maybe do some work particularly in the big 10 but i'm not i'm not that surprised about it he was a high level recruit he's been around this will be his third year new coaching staff that's probably going to be focused on getting the ball in new ways uh I, I I wasn't shocked. And I've said for a while that I think his numbers might go down this year, but he might have a way better season. You know, I mean, just because the guys around him will pick up some of the slack where he couldn't last year. I think there'll be games where he absolutely destroys it and goes off and has huge numbers. But, I mean, his rebounds might go down this year if guys are if more guys are attacking the glass. I mean, last year when he was off the floor, it was he and Ray Thompson were the only real – you know, pure rebounders and you had to get a lot of guard rebounds. I don't think that'll be the case this year. I don't think that'll be necessary this year. Um, But I also think that he's a guy who's going to be far more efficient, I think. And that just comes with age and and experience and maybe in an offense that fits his skills a little better than than there was last year. And also spacing. That's the big thing. Spacing is going to leave him one-on-one a lot. And if he's not, he's going to have wide open guys to get the ball to.
0: Coach, any thoughts on, on Trace being uh, that, that high in the uh, preseason rankings? I, I did not see who all the people were. It was him and Coburn yeah. were both on there. I would assume Drew Timmy was another one. And, and some of that is some some publications will try to make it or, or sites will try to assemble it like an actual team versus you would not play Trace Jackson Davis, Kofi Coburn, Drew Timmy of Gonzaga at the same time. But the, I would assume all three of them were on their uh, first team as well. So that may have something to do with my surprise. I don't know.
2: Yeah, you know, I think he's really good. I think he's one of the best players in college basketball. Is there? Is it a five-man team, a ten-man team? Uh, I haven't. I seen I think there's his the five, list, but I
0: I just don't know who the five.
2: five are. So but. that that would be a little surprising if he's one of the top five in college basketball. Uh, you know, and there's some young freshmen that are going to come in that are are really talented uh, as well. So I I think he's a, a really one of the best players in 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 basketball. But yeah, that surprised me a little bit, and and I would sometimes that's motivation too. Put them down on second, third team, and motivate them to go get first team. But it can also work as hey, people think this highly of you. You got to go out and earn it. So that's what I would do uh, with him is hey, you got the accolades preseason from this magazine, and you got this from this magazine. Uh, let's go make sure that's the that's the true uh, ranking uh, by your play. And then the thing that's going to elevate Trace Jackson Davis is if Indiana wins um yep. you that's know that's the that's thing. the bottom line at the year-end awards and all of that kind of stuff if indiana's a winning program and he leads the team um statistically and 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 emotionally he's going to be seen in a, in a great light if indiana struggles then, then those preseason accolades are going to dwindle.
1: Yeah, I think, look, I don't know if he makes first team, but I'm not shocked that he's on first team. It's hard to put true freshmen on the first right, team as right, well right. because you haven't seen them, and you don't know who's going to pop and who's not. Zion Williamson, it was easy to put him on the first team. But, you know, a lot of guys, it's it's tough to do that with. And so uh, I'm not surprised he made it, known quantity, all of that stuff. But we'll see what he does this year.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those, and I, I think it's probably not the same – person or group of people who who the all American teams are not the same ones who are right in the Big Ten preview it's a little bit hard to envision him being a first team All American but IU finishing seventh in the Big Ten those two things probably don't go hand in hand very well so uh, anyway good for him to get the accolades and uh, we'll see if they can uh, make good on those and if he does I, I certainly would see IU being higher than seventh in the pecking order when it's all said and done all right well we're going to take a quick break and coming up uh with one of the most anticipated iu football seasons in program history about to kick off we wanted to look ahead to the gridiron so we'll do that next stick with us here on the assembly call
2: Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever. Brought to you by Kohl's.
4: Today's topic, fall style.
2: Wait, wasn't it just June? Right? So I went to Kohl's. Of course he did. I got a cute Cara Santana for Nine West sweater for 25% off and a great pair of Vans. Love Vans. And saved 25% on a champion hoodie for my husband. Ooh, sounds cozy. You should go. You'll get 15% off or 15, 20, or even 30% off with a Kohl's card. BRB. Select styles. Offers end September 26th. Champion coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or for details.
0: All right. Good evening, chat mob. Welcome, everybody. I see many people in the chat following the OSU-Minnesota uh, game. Minnesota appears to have just taken the lead. 14 the, unanswered. Nice. The joy of many, I would imagine. All right. So, Coach, you guys are uh, taking off tomorrow. You got all your plans made for tailgating yeah, we, and uh, uh, yeah. uh, all, your, all your pregame plans plans made once i got most gonna, of the, the game
2: on most of the uh packing done waiting uh the young blood to pack his stuff and <laughs> and mrs tonsoni to get all her stuff and then uh that'll a, a little bit of laundry to get done and then we'll be uh ready to go we're, we're going to meet uh kathy amos and her husband um in iowa city and uh, there's a group of us uh i think we got reservations for about 10 or 12 uh for um Dinner uh, tomorrow night, and uh, then we got the tailgate all planned. Hoosier Huddle's done a nice job, and we'll have burgers and brats and hamburgers in uh, I think Lot Forty Three W. I was saying, that, telling people the wrong one for a while, and um, yeah, so we're looking forward to it. Should be a good time. <clears throat> nice. Who's a week two? I haven't even looked yet for any- Idaho.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't have the schedule memorized yet. I'm still not in football mode. Like Saturday, I'll be in football mode, but like I'm still baseball.
2: We uh, we were discussing the uh, menu for Idaho. We had to we we do uh, food specific to the visiting team, and so Mm. uh, Joel's going to make a grilled meatloaf and cheese uh, sandwich, smoked. I think he's going to smoke the the meatloaf, and then I'm making some deep fried chicken or. Deep fried steak fingers uh, that uh, Idaho is known for, and I hope He's they doing, keep. Okay, I'm going to do what's, that what's late the, Friday night and bring them Saturday morning. I hope they warm up on the grill. What's the potato dish we're doing? I don't. We guys? don't have anything yet. And it's going to be like <laughs> hot, so I, potato soup's out and
1: smashed potatoes. That's what I would do. You get a potato, smash it, cook it on uh-huh. the grill, A little cheese, ah. little
0: salt, potato skins, yeah. maybe potato skins Kinda, would work. That's, that's it's easy. Good. Easy for us to throw out ideas. We don't have to do any of the work. In don't have to it. do so anything. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna th- yeah, throw. send some, me, send you a
2: picture. <laughs> throw out some really
0: elaborate stuff, and then, uh, yeah, absolutely. When somebody else is I'm doing it. I'm telling you, throw it out there.
2: It, it's worth stopping by just to eat some of Joel's uh, food. He he can he can. Really... What do you have?
1: Pulled pork at our at uh, our meetup. That was really good. Whatever yeah, it was, he, I don't remember he's it. he's pulled solid, pork. I think it was, it was I think really it, good. Yeah, I think you're right. I couldn't remember. It was some kind of pork. I think it was pulled pork, if I remember correctly. I ate so much that weekend, everything runs together. But um,
2: Charlie in the uh, chat mob tells me to behave myself. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on double secret probation at the tailgate <laughs> after the Michigan game was the last one I was at. So I have a, a strict protocol now, Charlie, and uh, I am bringing my favorite worn-out IU hat that uh, Charlie likes me to wear. So what, uh, be what with game me was in that? Spirit what game was that that you had your that was kid? a Michigan, iu michigan in 2019 at least you remember it's i i i remember there the, are some that i uh, don't
0: think we'll let him forget so that might no. be no that that that's be it
2: part of everyone, <laughs> everyone richie and and joel keep reminding me yeah. uh and and mrs and mrs Tonsoni too oh and i imagine
1: she doesn't let you she'll never let you forget that one
2: so we're at the concert friday night and, and it's starting to rain and everything so i we had one poncho, so Amy and I are together in one poncho, stri- trying not to get wet and everything. And so, I after a while, that just got unbearable. So I popped out of it all of a sudden. Some dude comes down and goes, "Is this the Mrs. Tonsoni that you chase around after the show?" <laughs> and, and he he's, he introduced himself to to Amy, and it's like I've wanted to meet you, Mrs. Tonsoni. And it was a guy, it was someone who watches the show, and uh, nice. they were really happy to meet uh, Mrs. Tonsoni. And then they said hello to me. So yeah, that was. That was kind of uh, a fun time.
0: All right. You guys ready to talk a little
2: football? We're ready. All right. I
0: threw a few questions in here. We can go whatever direction we want, but at least a few things to get us. You can
1: ask me about Stephen Carr if you want, our new running back. Oh, yeah.
0: There you go. know him pretty well. Good call. All right. Here we go.
1: Hey, guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know, I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon.
0: And welcome back to the Assembly Call. So how do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball? It's crazy during the offseason and even crazier during the season. Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. It rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are already on the list, and we want you to be on there as well. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free now. Again, that's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. Again, IU to 66866. All right, I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips, and uh, figured good a time as any to uh, get into some IU football talk. So a uh, few things to hit here, guys, and we can take this whatever whatever direction we want. But, uh, Coach, I'll, I'll go to you first. Um, on a team with higher expectations, and they're certainly used to, how do you look at defining what success would look like this year for IU football?
2: Uh, I think they need to get to at least a minimum of seven or eight wins and be competitive in, in the other games uh, at a high level. Playing in the in the Big Ten with the seventh toughest schedule in the country, uh, there are going to be some uh, tough games where you play really well and you lose. This is a good team, and if they go seven and five, eight and four in the regular season, uh, that that's the floor. Uh, obviously, you're you want to do do a lot better than that. But for me, it's uh, seven and five, eight and four, and get back to a bowl, and then go win a win a bowl game. And Indiana just needs to be consistent. We we struggled for so long and, and, and pop for a year and then another six or seven years uh, of futility. So I, I think, you know, consistently winning records and, and better performances in those games that you lose, uh, that, that's, that's got to be success. And, you know, you're not going to go six and one or the equivalent of that in a regular season uh, every year, you know, teams change and and you're on the road at Penn state this year and you can be better, uh, more talented than, than someone and and get beat. Uh, You know, um, Minnesota was 11 and two, two years ago, and then had a a losing record of five and six. That's what Indiana needs to avoid um, is having that up year and then a down year and, and, and being consistent. So for me, it's a minimum of seven games or more and get to a, a pretty good bowl game and, and just be competitive all year at a, at a high collegiate level. Ryan, what about you? How do you view that?
1: Yeah, I would say seven and five, eight and four. Uh, look, I, I don't think they're going to win the big 10. Uh, I I'm I, I think that it's going to be much more difficult this year to win some of the games that they won last year uh, against some of those opponents, just because a full year, full training, you know, full everything. And I think Indiana crowds. Yeah. I, everything. Yeah, and and so I think y- you have to go above 500 and you have to win your bowl game. We got to win a bowl game, guys. I mean, last year they should have won their bowl game. Like, I'm sorry, you can't talk about how you should have been in the Big Ten championship game and then go and lay an egg in the bowl game. I, I, I you know, and I realized didn't have their quarterback, all of that stuff. Understandable. Uh, But you got to do it this year. You got to prove it. You got to prove yourself. This team is going to come in with some hype. They're a top 25 team right now. Got to have a result where you play with, it. and and here's the thing, you know, preseason ranked top twenty five. You got to finish the season ranked top twenty five. Prove prove everybody right that wants to vote for you and wants to back you. And then again, they have to win a bowl game this year. It's it's been far too long for IU, uh, and, and I mean a good bowl game. You know, go to a solid bowl game, win it and and build on the momentum of this program. It's going to be baby steps. This isn't basketball where Indiana could turn it around and and be successful in one year with the right situation. This is a program that is building and and I I I think Allen is building this program correctly and but it's still going to take steps. There's benchmarks along the way you have to hit to get where you're going to get, especially in such a competitive division like Indiana's in. So I'd just say you go above 500, 7 5, 8, and 4 this year and win your bowl game. That's a very successful season. And the whole key to the season is Michael Penick staying healthy.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it's that 7 5, 8, and 4 mark feels like about the sweet spot. I, I it, And I think Galen summed this up pretty well on, on Crimson Cast the other day. I don't think the ceiling is, I mean, so many things would have to go right to win nine or, or more. But I also don't. I also think this team has enough depth that there shouldn't be a situation where the bottom just drops out and they fall below that. So I think that seven eight marks. No, if
1: you miss a bowl this year, it's a massive disaster. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I think I think the bowl win is important, and it, it, you know, maybe if you if you win a, an extra game, then maybe the bowl win becomes less important. But again, it just feels like as you are taking those steps along the way to, to the the progression that uh, the team's been on, that feels like the next you know good step don't don't have a huge drop off and take that next step and win a win a bowl game I think would be uh would be key. Uh so how how do you guys you know the the Pennix health question is the obvious one, right? Um and so kind of taking that off the table uh you know Ryan what what do you think the next biggest question mark is for this team that will maybe swing that from the 7 wins to 8 wins or or to 9 wins or something like that? Is there a major question that you have heading in?
1: I think there's I think there's two things and one of them is the defensive front being able to contain other other offenses, stop the run consistently. Uh the front seven just has to be really good because in the in the in the Big Ten, you can't wear down over time. You've got to be stout the entire game. So I would say just the front seven holding and sort of verifying that this is a, a group capable of playing well. And I'd say the other thing is the running game. You can't average three yards a gain, you know, uh, three yards a carry. I mean you've gotta be able to rip off some longer runs and be consistent with it last year a couple times late in games so they could they could have salted away some games or maybe worn the opposing team down they couldn't run the ball they had to rely way too much on the passing game i think you've got to be able to do both in, in modern college football yeah you can spread it out and throw it all over the place but you better be able to finish games with your running game and i think that that's gonna be really important this year and there are question marks at the running back spot
2: coach what about you I'll, I'll just go a little more specific. I think this season comes down to the offensive line and defensive line for the very same reasons that that, that Ryan mentioned. The offensive line struggled last year, and Penix had to get the ball out quick uh, to avoid it, and that'll help with his health. But the running game is a must because that's going to make Penix even more, um, you know, of a threat when you got to bring guys up in the box, or you can't, you know, just mad bull rush if if Indiana's a a dominant passing game. Uh, you have to play both aspects. You got to establish the run. And Indiana has gotten away from that because their line has not been as as strong. And and then for the very reasons that Ryan said, the defensive line, I think the back seven uh, of Indiana is solid. The linebackers, really good. all the new positions they have, the, you know, uh, what do they call a Marcino ball? He plays a uh, Husky, Husky or whatever position. Yeah. And then the, the, you know, Taiwan Mullen, come on, you know, I think, I think that's, but if teams grind out four or five, six yards, uh, on offense or pop a big run, uh, it, it it makes your back seven, you know, look bad, uh, when they're, they're getting downhill. So to me, it's, and it's just line play. And I think that's for every program. And I think that's what separates, you know, uh, when you have good skilled players, you need the, you need offensive line and defensive line. And if Indiana can do that, then I think obviously they're going to win more than seven games this year. If not, then they're going to get beat Uh, by some good teams they'll win some but they might get popped too by a a Rutgers or a Maryland or something where you don't expect it and Indiana's better than them because that often that's just a key part of football and and it's the two question marks on this team uh right now
1: yeah I'd say uh, last year I checked it they they rushed for 3.3 yards a carry that's just not good enough it's not good enough it's got to be better
0: yeah I I I probably put the offensive line kind of at the top of my list of question marks I think the defensive line How to protect Phoenix, yeah. with, with you know with some of the you know bringing in Ryder Anderson bringing in Jaron Hardy or Jaron Handy rather um, I think that gives him a, a a little bit you know more depth there for sure but that that defensive line is going to be tested early playing against Iowa for sure but yeah on the offensive line I think you, you know as you guys said being able to run the ball um is important for IU, but for uh, you know, Penix has become understandably less mobile than he was when he first came in. And you know, the the unfortunate irony of of the play he injured himself on in the Maryland game was really one of the first times that he'd scrambled over the course of the the season. It felt like, um, and so for a guy who's not looking at this point to get out of the pocket a, wh- a whole lot. Uh, I think that puts a lot of pressure on the offensive line to really protect him, keep him upright and um, the ability to also run block in that plays a plays a pretty big role so that was yeah for me somewhat the easy answer it's it's so odd to come into a season and feel good about uh, IU secondary since they were uh, you know torched for so many years um you know really since some of those Mallory you know those early Mallory teams, uh you know you just didn't have that kind of depth there as as coaches you said in, even in the back seven including the linebackers so i think that part is is exciting and you feel good about but uh like i said the the defensive line piece of that will be tested pretty early um ryan you talked about the running game so figured give you a chance to uh you know the the rare us the, the path from usc to iu is a rare one from a football perspective or really from from many perspectives but uh really what what should I, we I've- I
1: found it pretty smooth.
0: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I I didn't say it wasn't smooth. I said it was rare. So that's, um, but but uh, what what do IU fans need to know about Stephen Carr? I believe he was on the top of the running back depth chart uh, that came out this week. Uh, yeah, he was listed ahead of Tim Baldwin, uh, David Ellis. I think is a little bit banged up. Who was the uh, listed third on there? So what what should IU fans know about Carr, and and what should they expect? Well, you know, he was a
1: huge recruit for for USC when he went there. He was a top 20 national guy, a five-star and and looked to be the next, you know, sort of in the line of great running backs at USC uh, about I think he had of high school, he's six foot, about 200. And he just had this, he didn't have game breaking speed, but he was fast. And he was just so smooth in his movements and, and sudden in his movements. And he had a pretty darn good freshman year uh, when he ran for about, you know, as a backup, ran for about three, I think it was about 350 yards on 60 something carries. So he was averaging about 5.6 yards and he caught like 17 passes for almost 200 yards. You know, he's versatile. Um, some people actually talked about the future. Maybe he would switch to like a slot receiver kind of thing while they had other running backs just to get him touches. But then he suffered a lot of injuries and he, he dealt with, you know, an ankle injury, which for a running back can take, you know, years to fully heal correctly. Uh, he didn't trust his cuts. Then he hurt his back. You know, and so it was just a series of injuries. And he played all four years at USC and just fell down the depth chart, really had trouble getting back into a rhythm. And then it would be every spring, it'd be like, oh, Stephen Carr looks like he's got it again. Everybody get really excited. And then the first game he'd get hit and it would be like, oh, no, he's hurt again. Or he just wasn't the same. Um, It sounds like, you know, he really wanted to reunite with Dylan McCullough, who was at USC when he was uh, for part of that. It sounds like, you know, so that transfer made complete sense to me. Sounds like he's been great in in uh, camp and in the offseason, and uh, I hope he's a good kid. I really hope he stays healthy because if he does, I think that the kind of player he is can be huge for Indiana. I think he's more of an outside-the-tackle kind of guy despite his size, and so hopefully they can get him in situations where you know he's not Stevie Scott where he's just going to hammer the inside of the line. He's going to be a guy who's going to get around the edge and maybe do some things and beat some people one-on-one in the open field. He's not as fast as he was as a freshman, but I think that his moves are still there, his maneuverability is still there. The the question's gonna be who backs him up and who becomes the hammer for the middle of the line late in games. And so to keep the the a little bit of pressure off him so he doesn't get hurt, uh, I think is is really the key. But if carr's healthy, he can be a fantastic running back. The key is just keeping him healthy. And it was it was something that could never happen at USC. All
0: right. Well, Jared has joined us, and Jared, I'll I'll let you I'll let you uh, field this question first. So, you know, based on what we know about this team, about the coaching staff and and everything else, do you think this is a team that is uh, equipped to deal with the high expectations that they come into the season with?
4: Yes, I do. Um, And I think that because you've got a lot of guys who came to Indiana when nothing was promised and nothing was assumed and being a top 25 team was still more of a dream than it was a reality Uh, And these are guys who have helped build it up to that. Michael Penix, Ty Freifogel, Tywan Mullen, Michael McFadden, all of these guys. Tom Allen especially. I mean, you know, so these guys have been there through it. I have more question marks in two or three years if the guys coming in now are going to be able to handle high expectations if they're there. But I absolutely think that that this bunch will, you know, I think if Indiana struggles this year, it's, you know, you know, I, I got here late, but you know, what coach was saying about the lines, I think they'll struggle because in the trenches, they're just not good enough, but they've got difference makers on the outside. And I don't think they're going to struggle because they're not together. They're not working hard enough. They don't want it enough. They don't believe enough. They're not confident enough. You know, it'll just be because they don't have the dudes on the lines and maybe they will. I mean, I think this is going to be an excellent season. So I'm not trying to say that they won't, But I think that would be the reason that they would struggle. But no, I I think from a mentality perspective, I think all of the ingredients are there for this to probably be one of the most mentally tough and mentally prepared teams in IU history because they do have talent. They do have the experience of winning some big games. So they've got that combined with the humility of remembering what indiana football was like when they got here and when you can combine those two things i think you can get something pretty special like what we saw i think talk about this on a previous show like what we saw you know from tom crane's team in 2011 2012 where those guys had kind of been through the fires you know and they remembered what it was like to just get their asses handed to them and now you combine that with talent and really good things can happen I think we're going to see something like that from, from this year's team, too. Are they going to go you know, get 10 wins and you know go to the Rose Bowl, that kind of stuff? Who knows? It's within the realm of possibility. Uh, whether it's likely or not, I don't know. But I'm very, very confident about this team's mentality. Oh, hey, can I add something? I just saw – so there's some good news and some bad news. The good news is that Minnesota is be- beating Ohio State 14-10 to 10 at halftime. We've talked about the, it. The bad news is the Big Ten has switched to golf rules, and so lowest score wins – which sucks. I know, but you know, big Ten's going to big 10. So,
1: Oh boy. I get what you did there. I see what you did there, but you know,
0: (laughs) all right. So, so looking at the schedule a little bit, uh, I I thought again, Galen and, and Scott talked about this on, on crimson cast and, and the schedule is pretty front loaded that there's a chance that they could rip off a few wins in a row. Although, Watching Minnesota you know lead Ohio State maybe makes that game framed in a, in a slightly different light uh, as you go so I, I kind of tried to break this down into some different three game segments now some of these overlap so perhaps this is uh, unfair but figure to get your thoughts on on which three game stretch is the most critical of the ones I listed here so first one is the first three games so you go to Iowa you host Idaho at home host Cincinnati uh, the next one is, is starts with Cincinnati uh, then you go to Western Kentucky to Penn state. Uh, the next one starts with the, uh, that Penn state game. So at Penn state, then Michigan state and Ohio state at home. And then you've got the Ohio state game at home and then at Maryland at Michigan after that. So, uh, coach, which of those three game stretches do you think is, uh, is most critical?
2: You know, I, I'm going to say the first three, uh, I, I think it, it's to have the season that we all expect, uh, at least two and one, um, and just from a momentum standpoint, because the schedule's tough after that. If you lose at Iowa, which you very well can, and play a good game, and you come home against a Cincinnati-ranked team, who's better? And you go one and two and lose to the two tough teams in your program, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're on the road to Western Kentucky, and then Penn State. That that's when. You know, a, a little negative energy uh, can can start building a, a little bit, and you know, I don't know that they're must wins because I think you can still get to seven, eight uh, if you get off to a tough start and losing to those teams. That's no, there's no slouch there, um, but um, I, I think it's important for this team, who's had two solid years, to come out and 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 win one of those two bigger games to start the year, and that just puts them in a in a in a good place, and so. Uh, that's that's what I would obviously there's a a tough stretch there with I I think you said Penn State and Ohio State uh, in that that would probably be the toughest stretch um, on the road to Penn State but I just think it's key to get off to a a pretty good start and it'd be three and one going into your toughest segment uh, if you get that Western Kentucky win Ryan what about you
1: I, I think it's the first three also I think it sets the tone for the whole year if you beat Cincinnati then you're off flying And look, no, I don't think people are gonna expect Indiana to win at Penn State or beat Ohio State. So that three game segment in the middle, really and sort of in the middle of the season, you focus on beating Michigan State. You have to beat Michigan State. You know, that's a team that's struggled, and I think you've got to take that one down. But I think that the Iowa, a win there really sets you up well in the Big Ten. You beat Idaho, obviously, but then you've got – if you take down Cincinnati, you're 3-0. and You're probably ranked in the top 10 if you win those three games. And so that just puts you on such a higher level heading into at Western Kentucky, which, again, you should win. And then you hit that middle section, and nobody's going to blame you if you lose two of those three. I mean, they really won't. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's, a road game at Penn State is never easy. And then at home against Ohio State, Ohio State's going to be ranked exceptionally high and be a really good team, as they always are. No one's going to hold it against you if you lose that. But if you if you can take out Cincinnati, win at Iowa, those are
4: enormous wins for the program. Let me play devil's advocate for a second, because no people in the media won't hold that against them. But I think this team's expectations—they are going into it thinking, hey, we beat Penn State last year, we can win at Penn State. Of course, we came close to Ohio State, we can win against them. Sure. And so that would be one thing I worry about is you know those games right kind of there in the middle of the season.
1: I'm not if you don't get blown out against them, I don't think the team loses heart. I mean, you know, it's, it, yeah, no, no. Like I said, I, lose.
4: I trust, I trust this team's mentality. I just think that's a bit of an old school Indiana opinion to just kind of say, well, let's throw those two games aside and you have to focus on beating Michigan state. Well, Cause I'm I definitely about, don't think they're about, thinking that way. If
1: you're talking about what's the most important, crucial, I'm taking it from an end of the season ranking where you're going to a bowl game, all that segment. I think that segment, nobody's going to hold that against you know if they're they're if you're ranking people they're not going
4: to hold those losses against you very harshly no, no but if you're looking at the upside that's where the upside of the season comes is those sure. games so I agree for if you're looking to raise the floor for this season the first three games are the most important yes if you're looking to maximize the upside though those middle games being able to win at least one of those and possibly two that's where you can blow the top off the season Sure. So it kind of just depends on what you're what you're focusing on.
1: I, I think for the health of the program long term, being able to beat a team like Cincinnati is enormous to show that no, no, we're a yeah. Big Ten team. We don't we don't have to go down to that level and lose. Like we're gonna like yeah, they're ranked and they're good and they had a good season. They've had a couple good seasons, but we're gonna take them out. You know that's and being able to go on the road to place like Iowa, Iowa's not gonna be great. They'll be solid, as they always are, but they're not going to be great. Going on the road and beating Iowa, it's a big deal, you know, to get that out of the way early in the season. This isn't a tough early season game going on the road to Iowa. Go do it. Take care of it. Blow out Idaho, stay healthy, and then beat Cincinnati. I think you're set up to have a great season. I I think that's why I think it's – and also, here's the thing. How does this program deal with expectations coming out of the gate? Because there's been a lot of hype around this program for the last year. Remember, there was a lot of hype heading into that bowl game about, well, Indiana got screwed. They deserve to be in a better bowl game, all that. And what did they do? They came out flat in the bowl game and lost. How do they deal with the expectations and the people talking about them and all the hype? I think it's very important, those first three for the program.
4: Do you guys feel an abnormal level of hate for Iowa going into this game? Because I do. I've never liked. I would never really moved the needle for me, but after last year, like I really dislike Iowa and want to beat them badly. Fran, Fran McCaffrey's the coach, right? That's
1: the because I hate him. It's,
4: <laughs> no, I this Iowa true. play. This Iowa plays a little defense.
1: I know.
0: Uh, it does. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll throw out. I I would have answered that with the first three as well, just because I think it can be a springboard. But the the last set that I listed, the Ohio State, then at Maryland, at Michigan, is an interesting one because depending upon what happens in the Ohio State game let's let's go to the the uh the exciting path you beat ohio state so how do you not have a letdown when you go on the road at maryland and, and at michigan two teams that i think you at least feel like you can uh, you know could could be able to beat on the road uh weird looking say, at it you feel as like you a, should as an beat IU maryland
1: yeah. yeah you feel like you should beat maryland and michigan on the road is a toss up
0: is it? yeah but so that's if you if you win now if you lose that ohio state game how do you prevent yourself from you know, letting that snowball and turn into something else. So I think that could be an interesting stretch in the middle of the season. It's just harder to really figure out where you'll be at that point with what hopefully not injuries, but you know, just you're you're kind of in the middle of the slog of the Big Ten at that point. So um how do you how do you not, you know, have one of those slip ups that IU teams have kind of burned everybody with where the rug gets pulled out from under you at some point and, and things like that. But I, I, I would still say the the first three, but uh but we shall see. All right. So most of us have talked about you know, seven, eight wins is the season. So if I set the over/under at seven and a half, uh, what are you taking, Coach?
2: I'm taking under Ryan. seven. I, I I just think I just think they're just going to run into some teams like if if Minnesota is better, um, you know. I I just think it. Um, I hope not. I hope that's the 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 least number, but but I would probably. Um, take under, and just beating teams last year doesn't guarantee that you're going to beat them this year, and I do think we're more talented. Um, so, but I, I'll take the under.
0: Ryan, what about you?
1: I'm taking the over. I think they went eight, so I'll take the over at seven and a half.
0: Jared?
4: Yeah, you know, my heart kind of, or my head kind of sides with coach. I think it's probably more likely that they win seven, and that would still be a, a good season, But I I don't know like I just kind of have one like a gut feeling about this team that they'll win more. They just got some playmakers and they've got some guys that I think can help them pull out some games that you know maybe they don't play as well in, but they still find a way to win. You know, when you have the best quarterback, a lot of times you find ways to win. And I think most games, Indiana's going to have the best quarterback if Penix is healthy. He's Um, the key to the season. That's a big. That's that's the key to
2: the season. Last three years, it is. He, it he's is. been injured, and you'd had to have your backup finish the season, and we had Ramsey do a good job. Tuttle won at Wisconsin, so that's a, that's a signal for the depth and and what Coach Allen has done. But we'd much rather have Penix for twelve games and the bowl game, but he just hasn't shown that durability.
4: That's why I think it's more likely that they go under the eight. But I'm I'm going to bet on Penix's health and talent and say over.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll say over just because I I don't I don't know tired of it's exciting to be uh optimistic about i.e football so uh so you know why not although as the you know the ted lasso it's the hope that kills you uh, perhaps that's really where where we'll uh, we'll wind up but you know we'll we'll see hopefully that is uh hopefully that is not the case so uh mm-hmm. all right we're, we're gonna take a uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and uh actually when we come back we may we may shift gears for uh for segment three here so uh, we
4: may shift gears we may
0: shift gears we may stay on football but shift gears a bit so uh (laughs) look for that when we come back we'll take a quick break and uh stick with us here on the assembly call
4: oh joel's taking the under This Halloween...
3: No! That's
1: impossible!
4: Don't get caught.
1: Did you check the basement? Or the
4: bedroom?
0: Without the perfect thing.
4: <laughs> They're both out!
0: To treat every taste.
4: Well, that's it. We're out of Fanta. No!
2: This Halloween, don't live with the horror of being without Fanta. Get yours today. at california's great america it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun that's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 gold pass right now that includes unlimited visits this year so you can enjoy the great pumpkin fest Haunt, and winter fest then unlimited visits next year to try new foods enjoy festivals like taste of orleans scream on our world-class posters and splash away at south bay shores water park all for just 82 dollars plus applicable taxes and fees hurry offer ends october 31st so get your gold pass now at cagreatamerica.com it's amazing in here
4: talks through the music got it i'm rusty man Maybe if you were here more often this would this wouldn't happen <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe. somebody, up, said,
0: somebody right. said that yeah. uh dubuque
1: is not the place you should use to judge iowa i i agree i hope not because i've spent a lot of time in dubuque I, it was uh, not a lot of joy was found
4: in dubuque not a was, not a fan of dubuque yeah. no what do you, that you was when
1: i was dating somebody time. you know jared
2: Ah, uh, yes. Oh, oh early man. after dark. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I used to, AC after I used dark, to starting recruit. early. Absolutely. Starting early in the in
1: second, third intermission. That's all we're going to say about that. She's a lovely woman who doesn't deserve there's
3: my state of Iowa getting... A uh, little bit. A little, little bit, sir. Mm-hmm. That's right. You were born in Iowa, I weren't you? I was born in Des Moines, yes.
4: That's right. Born in Des Moines. Well, we have a special guest, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here on the Assembly Call. I guess we can do a more proper intro once we actually start segment three. Uh, but I thought it'd be fun to bring my dad on. It was kind of funny uh, on Twitter. Tony Adranya said something like, "Hey, you know, two Indiana Hoosiers featured in ESPN's hype video. These aren't your father's Indiana Hoosiers." I was like, "Well, they kind of are, because when my <laughs> father was there, they're they're pretty good too. So these are kind of like my father's Indiana Hoosiers." Uh, so yeah, so we'll get we'll get your thoughts, Dad, on this upcoming IU season. Then you obviously spent more than a decade as an NFL scout. And so kind of get your thoughts on some of Indiana's potentially draftable players and how an NFL scout would view them. Because I happened to look at Mel Kuyper Jr.'s rankings and there were not many Hoosiers listed, which whatever it's Mel Kuyper Jr. But eh, we'll get your thoughts on it and see. Can you talk real quick? Let's check your audio levels.
3: One, two, three, four, five, six, Michael panics. (laughs)
4: you may have to let me see if i can turn you up you may have to talk a little bit louder let me see if i can oh i I might be able to turn you up no yeah here wait uh yeah talk now hello there we go that's better that's all better michael Penix. Nice. It's there about we time
2: go. we got another coach on this show. <laughs> this show is going to get the best ratings now.
0: <laughs> Once we hit the 40% coach mark, that's when things really yeah. start yeah, to right. take off,
2: they, they say. So good. And, and certainly, I wanna pers- personally, thank you for creating the, my IU fandom because I was a, a student uh, in 85, 89, and, and that run of of years was just uh, fantastic. And then Ross Hales is my brother in law. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. And played. uh, down there yep. for, for you guys and, mm-hmm. and coach uh, Mallory. So uh, recruited a Ross. lot of respect. Yeah. I recruited Ross. Oh, that's
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say that was right around the time. The first year we had, uh, we hasn't, we had season tickets was Mallory's first year there when we were living in Indianapolis. So we, we, I don't know how many years it was before my parents finally canceled him when they, uh, probably, probably close to 30, I think by the time it was all said and done. So.
3: I'm glad they didn't cancel him after that 0 11 year.
0: No, we actually got a we actually got a third ticket after that year. right? we got two the first year, and uh, my dad would kind of alternate between taking me and my mom. And I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to go every time. So we just ended up getting a we ended up getting a third. So we, we increased uh, ticket consumption uh, after that. So we we were undeterred as as were you. So
3: that Iowa game that year was almost our first win. We lost fourteen to ten to Chuck Long's team. We were in the record book for about 20 years for giving up 22 com- straight completions, but <laughs> uh, almost won the game. Chris Ziegler was crying on my shoulder in the locker room and said, Coach, you told us if we did everything right, we'd win. We didn't win, which was oh. about right, because we did we did about everything right that game.
2: Oh,
4: but
3: couldn't
0: that's win.
4: That's so you can that's do. Killer. Killer. Uh, so but the payoffs game. would come later.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, Jared, if you want, I can just kind of start the intro and I'll, I'll read the blurb and then I'll kind of let you do the honors to introduce your dad. And then if you want to, yeah, I think you had uh, certain ideas about this. So I'll kind of let you take the, uh, take the wheel if that's
4: good with you. Sounds like a plan to me. All right. This is Jordan Halls and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. All right, well, welcome back
0: to The Assembly Call. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, and uh, we have, normally, we would have our uh, subscriber shout-outs and our mailbag in this segment, but I think most of the questions that we got this week can be uh, be pushed back to next week in lieu of uh, a special guest. So, I will let Jared do the honors of introducing this special guest, since he uh, knows... As much about him as just about anybody, uh, I would say. So, uh, Jared, I'll uh, turn it over to you.
4: Yes, we will. We will roll those questions forward, and we will get to them next week. But we do have a special guest. I figured it was fitting, as we sit here just a couple days before the beginning of one of the most anticipated seasons in Indiana football history, uh, to bring back a member of the staff from really the last era of Indiana football that had this level of hope this level of expectation, and this level of success uh, that we are experiencing now, and that is my dad, Bob Morris. You've heard me reference him many times on this show and the time that we spent in Bloomington from 1984 to 1993, uh, which is why I'm here as an Indiana basketball fan now. But it all began as an Indiana football fan growing up, rooting for those uh, Bill Mallory teams uh, that my dad coached the defensive secondary for. And so, Dad, I want to get your thoughts just on kind of this season you know your thoughts kind of seeing what tom allen is building and then we'll also get your thoughts on some of indiana's potential nfl players because you spent more than a decade as a scout in the nfl and so i thought it'd be interesting to get your scout's eye view on some of these guys but first of all thank you for coming staying up late and welcome to the assembly call
3: oh glad to be here Mm -hmm. i'm excited about this year for indiana um i know Coach Allen's team did a lot of things last year that we had done, what, 30 years ago now? And mm-hmm. it's good to have some of those records off the books. It's glad to see another Indiana team reaching the heights that we did. Uh, i tired of being the last team to beat Ohio State, the last team to beat Michigan, and all of that. So glad to see the success they're having. Uh, and it's, you know, his profile and what he's brought to that program has given Indiana a higher statue, uh, stature across the country. And I know they've learned some uh, transfers. It's it's a completely different world than it was 30 years ago when we were there with the transfer portal and all of that that's going on. But uh, I know he's got some some new, new prospects in there to, to help fill some voids and a good veteran team coming back. And uh, there's a reason to be excited for this year.
4: Did you see? I saw um, some people talking about on Twitter, they saw some jerseys leak. Uh, it looks like they're going to be wearing the 1991 throwback jerseys with the the, the black, black trim. Mask.
3: Yes. Awesome. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. The black face awesome. masks. I know those the jerseys block, were great.
3: Black eye. Ellie, yeah. was, Ellie was holding the helmet. Yeah. yeah. Those were, we had some bad dudes wearing those helmets now. <laughs> I can we did. I remember some <laughs> of the guys who were wearing those helmets, and there were some bad dudes. Especially on defense.
4: No, they were. And, you know, that is something that's important to remember. You know, we are in this era right now with Indiana where, I mean, Indiana has several guys that are on preseason All American teams Taiwan Mullen, Micah McFadden, Ty Freifogel, um, you know, some other guys who, you know, who are going to get mentioned around, you know, for all Big Ten. But I do think it is easy to forget how talented those teams were and how many NFL players in all Big Ten. I mean, the entire defensive line was all Big Ten level. And you had several guys in the secondary that played in the NFL. I mean, those defenses back then were stacked with talent.
3: We we recruited good athletes and we wanted to run to the football. I know a lot like Coach Allen's team does. And I don't think Indiana's played defense since we did there the way Coach Allen's team is doing uh, now, and that's that's a great credit to them because it's hard to recruit defensive players. Those are those are hard. It's nice. It's easy to get the quarterback and the wideouts and throw the ball around and score a lot of points, but to win, you got to stop people. Now, to our credit, we had Anthony Thompson running the ball, and we had hundred less plays than any other team in the Big Ten that year that we led the Big Big Ten, and we're, I think we're third in the country in scoring defense, but. Um, you know, it was, we, we had some really good players too.
0: Yeah. So, so I I got a question for you. We talked about this a little bit, a little bit earlier, just in terms of, you know, these guys dealing with some of the expectations that they've now expectations that they've earned over the course of the last few years with their play and their improvement. And that had to be something that you guys went through, uh, as well as you built the program from not winning a game in Mallory's first year up to. Uh, you know where they were by the, the late 80s. How did you guys deal with some of those expectations? Obviously in the world of social media, it's a little bit different how those expectations get conveyed to players these days. but uh, what, what did you, what did you find effective to manage that piece of, uh, of your job?
3: Just a lot of hard work in the off season because that's where it all started and always going back to the basics. Um, you know Coach Mallory had a good way of doing that. Uh, you know Coach Mallory worked hardest. The weeks that we played the Northwesterns back then, uh, or the week we would play at Miami of Ohio, when we played the Ohio's and the Michigans, he didn't really have to coach. I mean, the players took care of that, and we expected to win those games. Uh, you know, the you know probably my last five or six years there, and we're disappointed when we didn't. Um, I don't know if the expectations going into the seasons were ever as high for our teams as they were this team. Um, but that year we played Michigan State to chance to go to the Rose Bowl. Um, you know we were we fully expected to win that game up in uh, up at Michigan State, and we're disappointed whenever whenever we lost when we'd go to Iowa and lose a game. You know we we were disappointed. So, um, but I think our head coach uh, was a main factor in our players not getting big headed and keeping the expectations to just one game at a time and be the best we can be that Saturday that we're playing.
0: How much do you think that helps then playing at Iowa in game one where you've pretty easy to get everybody's attention in, in that scenario as compared to you know some of the other teams that, uh, you know, teams will schedule in their openers? You think that makes it I assume that makes it easier to get their attention and yeah, get I mean, fired
3: it's, up when you're. It should be, I mean, a, a coach doesn't have to fire a team up to play a big, we never played a big 10 game in our opener. We always had a couple of games, uh, a Kentucky or a ball state or uh, Missouri. We always played Missouri back then. Um, but in the off season, when you can look at that first game on the schedule and it's at Iowa, that's a big motivation factor for the players.
0: Yeah. You're uh, you mentioning the Northwesterns there just reminds me of a, a good story. And then I'll, I'll let somebody else ask something, but my dad and I went up to a Northwestern game uh, I think in uh, some, sometime in the, in the late eighties. And so we'd got tickets and we walked in and showed the guy our tickets and he was basically like, you can sit wherever the hell you want. So, <laughs> which, which we did, we got, uh, we got some really good seats, but it was like, you just walked in and it was just like, yeah, you're, those can say whatever seat you want them to, you can just go roam, sit where you want. So it was, a, right. it was, a, it was a good day. Yeah.
1: Mr. Morris, I've got to ask how big of a pain was Jared as a kid growing up? That's what
3: I want to know. This was not this was not on the topic <laughs> list. <laughs> um you know what Jared was uh, he wasn't a pain. Oh. He he talked a lot. So, so
1: he's changed a lot as well. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, he he was I can't think of the right adjective. I wish over my son right now who knows all these neat words, but you know he was he was a big IU fan. He was an IU football fan. He was on the field during, you know, picture day and during game day and, you know, went to the basketball games. And at that time, if he was four or five years old and would run it up and down the aisles and every time we scored a basket, he would get an M&M. And so he'd come back and, you know, get M&M. But he, he was running up and down the aisle and uh, just loved IU. Yeah, I think we've got Halloween pictures and an Anthony Thompson jersey of, who was a wide receiver then? Um, you know, Rob Turner, jersey. yeah, Robbie Turner's jersey. Lance Brown, um, Lance he? Brown. Yeah. Ernie, you know, Ernie Jones of, was
0: as in the beginning of that era as well. That's he's the first name I think of when you say early IU wide receiver for me.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. and uh, So he he was a big IU fan back there back then, and uh, I'm glad he's you know his job now or or this passion he has he can uh, help support IU, and uh, I know it, I know he ma- makes him happy doing that. As you said, I talked a lot. I was just preparing for my future career. (laughs) He talked a lot. That's one thing the teacher always said, that Jared talks a lot.
2: Coach, you talked about recruiting um, outstanding athletes, but I I remember just some dudes uh, and and some winners uh, that that played on both sides of the ball. Uh, Dave Schnell was just a competitor. Uh, May he rest in peace. Uh, uh, Mike Dumas, uh, Van Waiters. Uh, I'm probably forgetting a lot of guys, but they just seemed in in that era to just want to go out and compete. And so how important is it uh, that you combine that great athlete with that will to work and will to win? And who are those Hoosiers on this team that that would fit in back uh, in those Mallory years uh, in that way?
3: I think Coach Allen is – figured this out and we did in uh, coach Mallory, Indiana is Indiana and you've got to recruit players that understand who Indiana is. We are an Ohio state. We aren't Michigan. We would love to be that, but we aren't. And so, you know, our state's Indiana is going to have 10 to 12 division one players a year. And our first goal when we went there was to get those players to stay at Indiana and not go to Michigan, Ohio state. So an Ernie Jones a Dave Snell, and Anthony Thompson, Bond um, Dunbar, uh, Robbie Turner, um, Schrader. Um, you know, we, we got a bunch of good Indiana players to stay and play for us and turn the program around. And then we got some other players that were two- and three-star guys that were underdeveloped as high school players, but we saw potential, redshirted them, and by the time they're in their fourth or fifth year, they're NFL uh, prospects. And those are the types of players that Indiana's going to win with. Every now and then, yes, you have to get an Anthony Thompson. You have to get a Von Dunbar. Uh, You have to get a Robbie Turner. You have to get a Mike Dumas. Um, But, you know, for the most part, you need a bunch of guys that are going to bleed red and white and are going to develop themselves, have a coaching staff that's going to develop the players, knowing that you aren't going to have a lot of juniors leaving early because they just aren't that type of guy. And that you can, you know, have a, have a veteran team, which Indiana has this year and compete for a big 10 title. You know, I don't, I must, you know, we've been in Texas now for 13 years. So I haven't seen a lot of IU games. I watched several on TV last year and watched some this week. So it's tough to me to say which players from this Indiana team would fit on our team. I know just looking at the defense, um, their linebackers and their secondary play like we played. They run hard. They get to the football. They do things right. They tackle. Um, you know, the wide receiver uh, goes up and catches the balls. Penix is a competitor just like Dave Schnell was. I'm sure Penix in the end zone, if he was down on the 10-yard line in the last drive against Ohio State, would wave the crowd up to give him more noise like, more noise like Dave Schnell did. Or, um, you know, so – I think Tom Allen has the right character guys in there. I know I said this to Jared um, when I saw these transfers coming in. You know he's developed a certain uh, character in the program, um, and it's he's got to be careful that he doesn't give that up to get these transfers in. And hopefully that's he's done that, and and they did a good job of bringing the right guys in to fill the spots that they needed filled.
4: There appears to be some some noise in the background yeah.
3: there.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do do they not know not that yet. the assembly call is going on? <laughs> um, you know, the other the only other thing I want to add to that before we get into talking about the players is, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, Tom Allen yeah. has really gotten the pipeline from Florida and Georgia back going. Yeah. And back when you were in Indiana, those were your areas that you recruited. And yeah. we got a lot of, you know, you brought a lot of talented players up from Georgia and Florida. You know, yeah. not necessarily maybe the guys that you know, Florida and Miami and and those schools are getting not the top top tier, but the next level guys. If you can get those guys, that obviously helps as well.
3: Lance Brown was a perfect example. Lance was uh, from Jacksonville. Um, Lance got hurt the third game of his senior year. Um, was late passing the SAT test, and I can remember taking Bill Bill Mallory down there, and and Lance was practicing basketball outside. Stole the ball, went the length of the court, and dunked, and said, "That's all I need to see." And, you know, and then Lance ended up, you know, coming our way. A couple of schools fell off because he was a late qualifier and we were able to get him. And, and it, again, it took Lance a couple of years to play, but he ended up, you know, being a really good starter for us and ended up having a pro career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Joe Ziegler, defensive back from Miami, was another starter for us in the secondary that was that was from Florida. So we had we had a, we had a number and then and then same same from Georgia. You know, I was able to get a couple guys, you know, out of Georgia, too. So you got it. You have to supplement the players you can get from Indiana with the players from, from that part of the country. Joe.
4: All right, so let's talk about some of the guys on this year's team. And let's just – let's start from the top. Who do you think is the best NFL prospect oh, on
3: this on this roster? Jeez. Um, <laughs> can I talk about juniors? <laughs> no. You know, I think the corner um, – Taiwan Mullins a good player. You know, he reminds me of Mike Dumas. I mean, he just sticks to the receivers like glue. He's got great ball skills. He plays bigger than he is. You know, I really liked watching him play. Um, you know, and then yeah. I think the uh, who's the, the right tackle Bedford. Again, he's yeah. only a junior, but a really good player. He's a mauler. He's got short area quickness. He sticks to his guys. Sound technician. You'll hear. I think you'll hear that a lot. Again, I I think as The draft process goes on. I think I'm not sure a lot of these Indiana guys will rise as much as when you put their numbers against the guys from the, from the top four or five programs, they're going to be good players, but their numbers are going to put them a certain place in the draft, the linebacker. Um,
4: Now, when you say numbers, are you talking about production on the field or their physical traits? I'm
3: talking about height, weight, speed. I'm talking about pure numbers that, get you to a certain spot on a, on an NFL board. Um, the linebacker. Can you give
4: a, can you give a brief explanation of how that works? Cause that, that people may not fully understand like how, how much that's taken into okay. account. Um,
3: every time I grade a player, I know his height, weight, and speed, how it ranks to every player in the NFL. So I can look at a guy, um, Micah McFadden, your linebacker. He's listed six, two, he's six zero zero six two thirty five 235 and runs four, six, seven those numbers are very average. All right. Compared to the guys are going to get drafted high on the football field. He's a heck of a player gets the most out of his, out of his ability, but in the NFL, you're going to need more than that to compete and win with, Um, you know, but for Indiana, you know, he was a two-star prospect coming out of high school. That's what he looks like, but he gets the most out of what he has. And that's just, you know, he he blitzes, he he plays with a great motor, but he looked to me like an NFL, a guy that's gonna be a camp body in a camp. And maybe he gets on the right team and he fights his butt off and makes and makes a roster spot. Um the wide receiver, Freifogel, you know, he's 6'2", 205. in the NFL, that's average. You know, just that's average size for an NFL wideout, and his speed is below average. I don't know what he'll run, but it won't be four six, I don't think. But he's got size. He can catch it. He can get the contested ball. Uh, Penix does a good job of throwing him open. And so those type of guys have a position in the NFL. But again, it's it's lower in the draft. He doesn't have anything that makes him stick out compared to the other five receivers that are on every other team and every other Division One school. Because every team plays with four or five wideouts now. Um,
4: okay, so so take a guy like with then. Is there something he could show this year on the field that would help propel him upwards? Or is there just a ceiling on his draft stock because of his physical traits?
3: Continue to do what he did last year. Make the acrobatic catches, make the one-handed catches, make the contested catches, and then run four or five-something at pro day. You know, train Mm -hmm. like crazy once the NFL season is over and show the NFL scouts that maybe he runs faster than they think he does by watching his film. But Mm -hmm. And again... These guys are really good players and they're helping Indiana win games. And that's the thing I've got to kind of back myself off and say as an NFL scout, this is what I see of these guys. Um, The safety, Devon Matthews. Again, I would love to coach the guy. I mean, he's just a heck of a football player, but again, at 601-6202 and probably speed in the 4-6, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be his size running 4-4 or, they're going to be 6'2", 230 running six, So mm-hmm. it's just the competition that is out there that these guys will be competing with at the NFL. Now, they don't need to compete against them for these 11 weeks when they're at Indiana. And all they need to do is play as well as they can, play within the scheme. And I think that's one thing watching these guys play uh, is they get the most out of their ability. The coaching staff puts them in positions to be successful. The nickelback, I think you call it the husky position. Mar- Marcelino... McCrary ball or Marcino mm-hmm. ball, yeah. Uh 5'11", 223 four, four, five. Okay. The trouble is he plays a position that's not in the NFL, that hybrid. Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? You know, he's too small for a linebacker. He's really not big enough and he plays better going forward than he does going back, but he's great for their defense. And he runs around, he makes plays, he makes, uh, you know, he makes sacks, you know, he's just a, you know, a really good player. And you see that all over this Indiana team, just guys playing, playing up to their ability. Um, but when it comes down to the NFL and draft day, I think there'll be all lower round guys, to be honest. Now, Penix, where... you want me to get to Penix?
4: Uh, let me ask you one question real quick okay. before we get to Penix. In your experience as a scout, where were more mistakes made? were more mistakes made underrating someone's production on the field or overrating the physical traits? Uh, or is it both? Because oh, the draft isn't an exact science.
3: I would think more mistakes are made chasing the numbers than they are production on the field. Mm-hmm. Now, what you try and to do is get the value right. Because value is important. You don't want to draft a guy in the first round that you can get in the third round. Mm-hmm. And the trouble is wideouts that can run fast or defensive backs that can run fast. I've won a lot of draft bets, putting the fastest defensive back in the first round because that's where they go. Even though he's a terrible player, um, mm. you know, the, the NFL is going to draft speed at the skill spots, thinking that they can play better than they see on film. Um, mm. A really good player on film may have reached his max level of a play and he can't get any better. And when he gets to the NFL, he's going against guys who are going to be bigger and faster than he is. So is he going to be that same player in the NFL? So that's right. it's a fine line, and you've got to, you know, as a, as a scout, get the value of the player right. And you know, I learned that my very first year as a scout, there was a defensive back down at Louisiana Lafayette that was six one. Maybe six one and a half, two hundred pounds, and he ran four four. We had to take the ceiling. We had to take a, a plate out of the ceiling so he could vertical jump forty one. He was a former running back that got converted to defensive back and was a terrible player. Had bad eyes. Looking in the backfield, tight end runs right by him, touchdown. Tailback breaks loose. He dives at the ground and misses a tackle. I had a free agent grade on, and Pittsburgh drafts him in the third round. He plays ten years. Mm. You know, so you know, I, I learned. I learned my lesson, you know, and and the trouble is uh, that teams like Iowa State or Ohio State and Alabama, I mean, Alabama's going to have 20 guys that are going to be looked at by NFL scouts. You know, Indiana's got six or seven, which is good. I mean, it's good to have a list of six or seven guys that the NFL is coming in to look at. Um, You know, Penix, you know, Penix, I've I've been trying to rake my brain trying to think of a comparable guy that looks like him in the pocket you know he's not michael vick um you know but you know he he moves around good enough to make but he doesn't look good moving around but he makes people miss he gets out scrambles makes a play against penn state and yet when he throws he's not a classic over-the-top throw he kind of throws it from here but on the quick game he's got a quick release the one thing he does do, which you can't coach, which is great, is he throws a deep ball with great accuracy. And that's something that you've got to be able to do that, like Mahomes does. I mean, if a quarterback can throw the deep ball with accuracy, that's great. And, you know, I he could have a good year. But, again, he's going to have a big X just because of the, of the injuries that he has. He hasn't made it through a season yet. And that's going to be the one mark on him as far as the NFL is concerned. But as a player – I don't know the guy, but just from what I've seen on film, as a leader, uh, I think he's everything you're looking for. He's a little unorthodoxed. I think NFL teams are going to have a tough time putting him in a box and saying, "Well, he looks like this. He plays like this guy." Um, You know, there aren't a a lot of left-handers out there to compare him to. Um, But in the end, he gets it done his way. You know, it's not always pretty, but he gets it done. He gets the ball to where he's got to get to. It's you know, it's sometimes it's here. His feet are going left, the ball's going right, so he's got to work on his feet in the pocket. Um, you know, because he's not those classic guy that takes two steps and throws it. He's going to move around, and but like I said, he gets it there. But he's going to be a hard grade for NFL teams. But there's a lot of he did a lot of good things last year before he got hurt. That's for sure. So stay healthy, knock on wood.
4: Do you think natural talent-wise, is he better than the quarterbacks that you guys had? Or do you think, oh, like Trent, for example?
3: Yeah. As a pocket passer, no.
4: But no. just overall talent as a, as a player? Because I've made that statement, and I'm just curious if you agree with it
3: or not. Like I said, it's tough to put him in a box. I would like Trent Green. as Evaluating Trent Green, I would like Trent Green better. Now, Dave Snell... You know, he, he's a better athlete than Dave Schnell is. Um, you know, I don't know. I, know. I know too much about Dave probably to, you know, grade him compared to Penix because Dave was a great leader. Dave could throw the great deep ball. You know, Dave was great against man and man zone coverage. He didn't always see the guys. You know, that was, that was probably the one place where he, he uh, wasn't as good as he needed to be to be in the NFL. I don't know how Penix is against zone against man. I, I haven't watched enough film to do that. But, um, you know, can I just say one thing about the transfers? Because I know you guys got a couple of transfers. The one thing, because you got a guy from USC, you got a guy from Florida State, and you Texas got a guy A&M. From Mississippi. I don't know the guy from Texas A&M. Is he starting?
4: He's a wide receiver. He's okay. backup, I think.
3: But the one thing I noticed, I don't think they look like IU guys. I mean, the IU players that were here look as good as those guys. It's not like these three guys, the, the running back from USC and the wide out from Florida State, the Indiana fans are going to look on the field. Oh, my gosh, did you see that guy from Florida State? He's so much better than our guys. Or that running back from USC, he's so much better than our guys. No, yeah. he's one of your guys. You know, the running back is a big guy. He's a downhill guy. He looks like he's got good hands. Um, again, he's listed 6'1", but he's 5'11", 5'11", 6. Uh, speed is adequate. He's not going to break a lot of long runs, but he's going to run people over. And the wideout is Devonte Smith's size. He's listed 5'11" 160, but he's 5'09" 1154. Says he runs 445. I didn't see that. Hopefully he looks like he runs 445 when against Iowa on Saturday. To me he looked more quick than fast. Good slot receiver though. I I can see him getting open and a good change up to the two big guys you have on the outside. And uh, the big defensive end from Mississippi, I couldn't find a lot on him, but a 6'5", 275, that's a good size defensive end. But the the good thing to me was I think the Indiana players, these guys with the Indiana players, the Indiana players are going to look just as good. So I think that's a good thing.
4: You always know you're talking to a scout when they go, he's listed as, but he's actually. (laughs) (laughs) Never never trust the listed heights and weights. (laughs) No. All right. Well, good stuff. Um, Yeah. I mean, look, you know, and I can't even remember the last time that Indiana had three preseason All-Americans like they do this year with Fry Fogle, Mullen and McFadden. And like you said, they're you know, what matters for Indiana fans and for this season is just how good they are as college players, because that's what's going to determine how good Indiana is. But it is it's not always something that we can do, you know, project a whole handful of guys to the next level. So it's interesting to, you know, it's always interesting to see, okay, we know what this guy can do at the college level and he's phenomenal. How does that translate, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's always kind of difficult to figure out. So I appreciate your insight on that.
3: You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to playing. Iowa, I was always a tough place to play. I was a good team. I've I've known Coach Ferens for a long time and scouted Iowa for the 20 years I was a scout for 16 years. I was a scout. and. You know, there it'll be a it'll be a tough, tough game over there, and uh, but uh, be two good teams, two well coached teams. You're going to have to beat Iowa. Iowa's not going to beat themselves, so Indiana's going to have to go in there and play play a really good game.
4: By the way, Denny said that's a good thing, right? If they don't stand out, the rest must be pretty good. Yes, that the point that he was making is you got a guy from USC, a guy from Ole Miss, a guy from AM, a guy from Florida State, which are known as football schools. You might assume, oh, my God, these guys are going to come in and just look like they're another class of player than we have. And the point is, no, they don't. They they And that's not a knock on them as much as it is a statement about how the floor has been raised at Indiana for the level of talent that Tom Allen's bringing in all right well uh coach it looks like joshua's done cooking or whatever he was doing in the background (laughs) There, that's good yeah
3: yeah
4: (laughs) Uh, well coach
0: we uh we definitely appreciate you joining us we will uh we'll have to make this a a a somewhat recurring event maybe through the season i'd love to have you back on again a time or two to kind of discuss how things are going and uh We'll do it. And all that. So that'd be awesome. We may well, have nice to rest to... them
4: away from we may have to them away from Crimson Cast, because I already told Galen that he might come on their show and talk <laughs> football. Since we don't usually talk football here. Yeah, and as okay. soon as you know October rolls around, we'll be focused on more on basketball. That's, that's true. We but, got
0: some time between you know, between now and then. And Jared, do. if you can't can, if you can't can book can us your own father, Jared. That's right. <laughs> we've got real problems. So that's true. That is definitely and, true. We're already like, well, he might not. Be, I might not be able to get him. I don't know. I mean, he's your dad. Come on, get it together.
3: All right. <laughs> with coach, I can talk some X and O's with coach the next time I'm on. We didn't talk any X and
2: O's. That's right. We can talk X and O's. And, and I just again, I will thank you. Uh, the, those first years that I became a fan, and you were you were coaching and, and winning that that's just been, you know, uh, kept me going through the, through some of the the lean times, but that, that was really good football. And people ask me why, why do you go to Indiana games? Well, go back into 85 and 86, 87. Those were great times, um, in Bloomington. So thank you for, for what you did there and, um, just appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, those,
3: those 10 years, they were really good for our family and we're a Hoosier family now. We got mm-hmm. two kids that graduated from there, and we—that's—we nope. watch. I'm a—I'm a CU grad, so we watch the Colorado games and watch the IU games. So, we're a split mm-hmm. family.
4: Yeah, we didn't adopt the team that you went to after Indiana. We we left <laughs> no. we left no, them kind there.
3: Of, <laughs> kind, of, kind of left them there. That was a non-starter. I don't know what happened. That was a non-starter. <laughs> I have all these Facebook fans from Northern Illinois and from Colorado and from Indiana, but some reason that four years up in West Lafayette, <laughs> what uh, are two guys?
4: <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I did enjoy my high school years there. Coach Tonsoni coached against coach wood. Uh, yeah. he's up there. Yeah. So I do, I do have good things to say about a lot of the people up there, but right. it's not Bloomington. That's for sure.
2: I've coached <laughs> up here for about 14 years and don't have many fans either. Coach. So I think <laughs> But that's the way coaching goes, right? Right. So <laughs> right. maybe it's the area.
3: You know, and I think it says a lot for the type of program Bill Mallory had and the type of the University Indiana was. Everybody was together. You know, at at Purdue we never really got that feel for the four. We were only there four years, but never really got that family feeling that we got in the ten years that we were at Indiana. So, yeah.
4: Dad, did you watch Ted Lasso yet? yes
3: okay good i was just checking yes, i've watched it
4: okay i just wanted yeah. to make sure i wanted to make sure i finally got you and coach to watch it i knew as soon as i watched season one that you guys would <laughs> both enjoy that show so i just wanted to make
3: sure uh, just checking that's no, pretty good i'm not i'm not good enough that i can send a ted lasso if you're waiting for a ted lasso quote i can't do it so <laughs> I, I don't i don't watch it that much
4: as long as you've watched it that's what matters okay
3: yeah
4: all right well thanks for thanks for giving us the insight on the guys you're welcome uh we hope that they all get drafted higher than you're projecting them
3: (laughs) yeah well just play well win a lot of games that helps that's right
4: that's what matters okay let me how much does that matter um i mean i'm sure it does for the quarterback it's
3: yeah, I think it just gives a more positive feel for a scout as he comes in there that he's he's scouting guys that are on a team that's 10 and 2 instead of 2 and 10. That there's got to yeah. be some play, there's some people making plays, there's a reason you can put in your report one of the reasons this team is 10 and 2 is because this quarterback has done this or this wide receiver has caught seven touchdown passes or this defensive back has four interceptions that have been game-winning plays. So I mean, you can you can get it into your report away. And, and especially if a player is helping the team win games and you see that as a scout. Yeah.
4: All right. Well, cool. Well, let's, uh, I know it's late, so let's, uh, let's wrap up here. Coach, any final thoughts as we, you're going, when are you leaving? When are you leaving for Iowa city? i
2: uh, leaving tomorrow right after school. Um, got a hotel for both nights and a, a, a pretty good size tailgate planned and meeting up Kathy and her husband, uh, from, the chat mob. Kathy's been on the show, so I finally get to meet her in person, and looking forward to doing that. And Hoosier Your Huddle is hosting the the tailgate, so uh, good to connect with those guys again. And yeah, we're gonna we're gonna enjoy road road trips. Are we've been doing road trips for the last ten years. We've been almost uh, every Big Ten uh, university for uh, a, a game, and that's just something my son and I do a lot. Amy, this time is going with, and uh, it's just nice to support the support the team that way and see some different places.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of people going up there. So if you guys are going, if you need a friendly tailgate to go to, uh, just send us an email or reach out to coach on Twitter, Sony, Sony, Sony 42, right? That's the Twitter handle. Yeah. Yep. Reach out to coach. There'll be, there'll be a lot of friendly faces there in, uh, in Iowa city. And if you see Gary Barta, give him a piece of our mind, let him know what we think of him. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Thanks to Bob Morris for joining us to give us his insight. Thanks to uh, Bob Thompson for creating a lot of the music that you hear on this show. And thank you to all of you for coming and joining us. Uh, we will be back next week with another edition of Assembly Call Radio. And uh, if you haven't checked out our community, go to assemblycall.com slash community. Lots of fun Indiana football and Indiana basketball talk coming It's a golden age of IU sports. You're going to want to be in there. So hope to see you guys there. Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. All right. All right. Excellent. Was that okay? That was
2: great. Good. Really good.
4: That was great. Yeah. That was really good insight. All right. Really Uh, good. Yep. Hopefully they go up there and get it done. Man, that'd be an awesome start to the season. Mm -hmm.
2: All right coach I know you got to probably go but tell me a little bit about Billy Reisert. Billy Riser Yeah block punt in uh, 87 Michigan that was yeah. a Billy was play.
3: he was actually our special teams player of the year and Billy was a walk on and I was in charge of the punt team and so we had four guys and they were all walk ons and I don't know if you remember this but the punter the opponent's punter would be warming up and I think we had three guys then that would line up like on the 40-yard line and time up with the snapper and the punter their get-off. Now, I mean, uh-huh. these, these guys, they, they were just backups. And, uh-huh. then, and then Billy was lucky that Mike Dumas was outside of him. So the difference in speed between Mike Dumas going on the outside and Billy Rice going on the inside always just – and Mike had blocked a couple himself – made that wing go out wide enough. And then we'd always have the defensive end. I think it was uh, Greg Farrell would be smashing down inside. So you got Billy between two two uh, thoroughbreds and he was, going, he was just good enough at that to make it himself, he made himself skinny that he was able to, to go in and block it and made some really big plays for us. He made yeah. blocks. I mean, we had a really good punt return team that year and made some big plays and Billy was part of that.
2: That was just a great game. It was misting and raining all night, and I think Bo was upset with yeah. the crowd noise in, in Memorial Stadium. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. football. It was just football, you know. You had, yeah. you had to be yeah. really tough there, and that was an that was a, a, a outstanding game. The one thing uh, I, I'll
3: never forget, in the fourth quarter, when we switched fields, the wind shift changed. It changed. Yeah. The front had gone through, and it changed, and now it was into Michigan's face again. And we played great defense in the fourth quarter. Greg fair. or uh, uh, Joe, Joe Hoff, was coming off the edge. And I had a defensive back that I had been up with Don Patrol with earlier that week. And he he ended up making some really nice plays on a curl route. And uh, we just we just played really well that game. We really did.
4: Don Patrol and, is and where guys just, got in trouble and you had to go run. Yeah. You had to run with them early in the no, morning?
2: No, we had to study. It was study patrol if they missed, oh. if they missed a class. <laughs> So. And uh, coach, I, I read uh, Chris Dyer's uh, IDS article about the Boilermakers, uh, where he was uh, quoted verbatim um, yep. with some choice choice <laughs> language. Uh, we we really we relive that moment. Uh, but he was a converted quarterback that went back and played yes, uh, yep. this defensive is, back, and was just a he was a tough dude.
3: This is interesting. With Chris, Chris played safety with Lance Brown. He was the other safety. Uh, Chris was a strong safety. Lance was the free. And there was one time this we were out in the practice field and this guy went in motion and it ended up that we I told him to bump. So Lance had him. He bumped and Chris ended up taking him. And so, Chris, we we get done with practice. We're watching film. And I can't remember if it was after the film or during the film. It said, hey, Chris, don't you really want Lance to cover that guy? Don't you think that would really be it? Because I think the guy ran right by Chris and said, you know, that's probably a good idea. So Chris always knew when we were playing man coverage that Lance had the guy and he was always free. And so he could do that back there and make sure that Lance got lined up where he needed to be and Chris was where he needed to be, that, that we got it right. So, But, yeah, Chris was fun to coach back there. He really was. It was nice to have because I had Brian DeWitts, who was a former quarterback right. back there, and then and then Chris came back there too. So.
2: Man, this bring back great memories. Yep. <laughs> just fantastic. And then Mike, Mike Dumas, he was
3: a corner for three years. Comes back to safety, and after the first couple of weeks of spring spring practice, or maybe we were in the fall, he says, "Hey, coach, you don't need to coach me on all the little things. I know my feet aren't going to be right all the time. Just let me play. I'm just going to go get the ball, okay?" I said, fine. <laughs> <laughs> that made him an All American. I stopped coaching him. He became an All American.
2: <laughs> you know what, though, um, Jared and I have had conversations on the basketball front like that with offense, and and I, the older I get, the more so you're going to play defense the way I want to on basketball. But then offense has to be a little more free flowing. Yeah. You get a steal, go do what you do, right. um, mm-hmm. because sometimes you got you do have to stop coaching right. in the right situations. That's, right. A, you that's can't a very slow good
3: point. Him. Coaching can't slow them down. You can't. Right. You can't get them thinking about now. My philosophy was in practice, I was going to make sure that they. I was on him about the little things and then in a the game, just play. But I was yeah. going to make sure that they were, their eyes were right, that they were looking at the tight end or that they were looking where they were supposed to look, that their steps were right. they were in the right spot. But then once a the game started, you know, I just let him play and I really didn't. And that's where Bill Mallory was really good. I mean, he was, he was on him hard all during the week, but then during the game, he was a good cop and we were the bad cops you know he would we'd chew him out they'd miss a play and then bill go over put his arm around him and say hey go out and do it again you know you can't so.
2: what's um <laughs> I, I could i you could just cut me off here but what's one coaching um experience move thing with a player that that you remember that really worked out that you you were like yeah that was good coaching and, and do you have a moment like that that you sit back and say you know what um that was that was really a good moment. I, I really did something. Um, yeah, that made usually, a difference. Uh, you did a lot, but what's that one big one?
3: Well, usually those moments come because what the players do, just like Chris Dyer, you know, <laughs> right, being able right. to being able to be okay. We don't need to do it my way. Let's do it the best way for the players. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember Eric Hickerson. He was a big corner for us, and we used to play cover two, which was a two deep zone cover three three deep zone and then two man would be five underneath man with two deep safeties so i can't remember who we were playing i think it was ohio state and we called two man in the huddle and so eric ended up playing cover two which he sits in the flat everybody else is playing man to man his guy runs a I think a curl router and is wide open and i and i eric comes off to the sideline i get on the phone and say eric what are you doing They said, well, coach, I just heard cover two. So after that, all the zone coverages were numbers and all the man coverages were colors. So two man became green, two E's. So that became green. Uh, White became man free. Blue became something. I mean, red was always a safety blitzing. Black was two linebackers blitzing. And so that Eric made me, and most of the time it's players that make right. coaches okay. We don't need to do it this way. Let's do it this way. It makes it easier for the players. So
2: that's that that old ad is to give them instructions that they can't misunderstand. Right. That's right. You know, <laughs> you know, to to make sure. I mean, and I coached twenty we,
3: years and it was all right, but for Eric, it wasn't yeah. all right.
2: So yeah, so you got to make that adjustment. That, that's, yeah. that's 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 always that's good stuff. Yeah. Hmm all right well good stuff go get some rest
4: okay both of you drive all safely right. tomorrow coach I and will, nice uh, talking will with you. you coach okay bye-bye yeah we'll see you guys see you guys next week okay.
3: you're the kind of person who makes a difference at work so why not work on something that makes a difference at zooks we're looking for collaborative inquisitive people who can help us achieve our mission safer cleaner more enjoyable mobility for everyone Come build the future at Zooks. Find out more at zoox.com slash careers.
4: Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at getarculus.com.